Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Grab your Bible and go with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number seven. And uh, I'm gonna read just a passage to you that I think is gonna going to speak to all of us. Matthew's gospel, chapter number seven. And I'm actually going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. I know that's like everybody's new favorite thing, right? The Passion Translation. And it's great. I I think it's great. Matthew's gospel, chapter seven, verse number one, records these words. Are you there? Say amen. If you didn't bring your Bible and you're going to look on the screen, say amen. 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 (laughs) Amen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verse number 1. Refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others. <laughs> it's going to be that kind of Sunday. Refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others, and judgment will not be passed on to you. For you will be judged by the same standard that you use to judge others. And getting is awfully quiet. Stay behind that mask. Oh, Jesus. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Something to think about before you start throwing rocks. Here's a little pro tip. Don't throw rocks at situations you know nothing about. Can I get a witness from somebody? Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life, yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, (laughs) I've actually had somebody say something along these lines, not so many words, but basically the same thing. Let me show you where you're wrong. When you're guilty of even more, you're being hypercritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge your own blind spots. Everybody say blind spots. No, say it like you mean it, blind spots. Say it like I'm talking to you, blind spots. Blind spots. First, acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. This morning, I'm going to preach on the subject, blind spots. Blind spots. You know, as Christians, we're so, we're just so, so adorable, so cute. When we approach the Bible, we really, truly, honest to God feel like that when we approach the Bible, we are reading the Bible purely objectively, right? We're blank slates, and God, I come to your word, and you can say to me whatever you want to say to me. Here I am, Lord. Speak. Your servant is listening, right? That's how we approach the Bible. We, We feel like, we feel like we can read the text and not bring all of our own hurt, and pain, and issues, 
and prejudices to the text because after all, we love God, we serve God, and he can say whatever he wants to say to me because I'm just a good Christian. The interesting thing is, and I've noticed this in my own life and in, 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 in church life, is whenever we come to the word of God, we have a tendency to read ourselves into only the best parts of the text and never the bad parts of the text. <laughs> We're always John laying on the bosom of Jesus. We're never Judas. That's for all of our haters, right? When you read the Bible and you find all of the people that don't like you as the enemies of God, that means you're not reading the Bible faithfully. We're always David, never Saul. Y'all are quiet this morning. We're always Joseph with a call from God. We're never Joseph's brothers eating up with envy over what God's doing in somebody else's life. We read ourselves into the best parts of the text. And the way I know this is because I see your Facebook post. <laughs> you, ever have, you ever see those people that'll post passive aggressive Bible verses? They'll weaponize the word of God against you, right? And they're posting this stuff about he's going to judge the haters. And you feel so vindicated, not realizing that you're probably somebody else's hater. Right? He's going to judge the haters. He's going to break the teeth of my enemies. And we just read it and weep. Oh, God, bring vindication. And God's got to vindicate somebody from you. I want to tell people when they start posting those passive-aggressive Bible verses, I want to say, sweetheart, let me, let me explain something. That verse is not speaking for you. That verse is speaking about you. We read ourselves into the best parts of the text. We're always Jesus, never the Pharisees. And because that is our propensity, we are full of blind spots. Especially in the Pentecostal world because in the Pentecostal world, we elevate our personal relationship with God many times to the complete neglect of our relationship with other people. As long as this is right, this doesn't have to be right. That's why Pentecostal tongue-talking, fire-breathing, lay-out, fall-out, levitate, walk-across-the-chair Pentecostals can be some of the meanest people you ever met in your life. My mother-in-law grew up, and I used to, I, I used to go to church when I was younger. It's, one of the, it's what we called in the Pentecostal world holiness churches. Y'all know what that means? I'm going to start looking at y'all. What y'all looking at me? Y'all know what holiness churches mean? That's the churches that you couldn't wear makeup. Right? Somebody asked me one time, they said, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. They said, Tom, they said, what do you think about makeup in church? I said, a fresh coat of paint is good for any old barn as far as I can tell. <laughs> Simmer down. It's a blind spot. Simmer down. I acknowledge it. They said, what do you think about makeup? Well, it depends on the before picture. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> it's a joke. But I grew up, I started coming up in these holiness churches, right? No makeup, because we holy, glory to God. Don't cut their hair. Look like Rapunzel. No makeup, 
could barely take a bath. Y'all know these churches, right? No jewelry, ever. No TV, ever. Bowling, going to hell. Watch a football game, go to hell. Enjoy life, go to hell. Smile at any point, go to hell. Would not wear anything above their toenails or you would go to hell because they were holy and mean as the devil. I call it grumpy holiness. Y'all ever met those grumpy holy people? Because the way they want to get this right, but we don't want to get this right. And God says over in the book of John, if this ain't right, don't ever fall for the idea that this is right. I can't judge you based, I can't judge how you love God based upon how much you say you love God. I've got to judge how you love God based upon how you treat other people. Yes, especially the people you don't even like. My question is, how much have we really let the cross get into every part of our life? No, y'all ain't ready for that. How much have we really let God deal with how we feel about other people that we don't even like? Right? We're never the gossiper. We're always the one being gossiped about. But we're never the gossiper. We're never the liar. We're always the one being lied about, but we're never the liar. And then we can walk into church and lift our hands and give them a praise and fully be completely blinded to the fact that the way we treat other people can be downright evil. If the couple of situations that have happened in our nation recently, the virus and the racial tension of our nation, if that's highlighted anything to me, it has highlighted how callous the church of Jesus Christ has become to the suffering of other people. We are completely tone deaf to it. And why? Because it's not us. Or we think it's not us. You hearing what I'm saying? We become so callous to the suffering of people. I've been trying to have conversations with with dear brothers and sisters, ministers in the faith about the racial tensions. And if you've not been here, we just did six weeks on becoming an anti-racist church. And I've been having these conversations, and, they, and it's, it's met with this eye roll. Like, pff, if we would just stop talking about it, it'd magically disappear. Are you so blinded and so callous that you cannot suffer with somebody else? The cross tells us to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Can you really look, and this is not Republican or Democrat for God's sake, but can you look at small kids being locked in cages and roll your eyes? You know what that's called? A blind spot. As soon as I make a statement like that, as soon as I make a statement like that, immediately the mind goes, liberal! Liberal! I bet he's a socialist. Right? Or I can make another statement. Conservative? I bet he has a MAGA hat at his house. And I don't. Nor am I a socialist. Okay? We cannot talk about these things biblically and theologically because we are so saturated with Americana that we can't have a biblical conversation about this. 
We can't say, get all of this stuff out of my head and let's find out what God has to say about it. It has to be one party or another, one color or another, one side of the aisle or another, and we are completely blinded by the fact that we have, are, have become tone deaf to the suffering of image bearers of God. I'm going to have to clap for myself. How much have you let the cross Get into every area of your life. How much have we let God get into every area of your life? Especially Pentecostal people because we pride ourselves on being so spiritual. We speak in tongues. I have witnessed Pentecostals speak in tongues one minute and dog cuss you out the next minute. And you got to be like, you need to, you need to go back. Something didn't take, something didn't stick. I was at a church one time when I was growing up, and uh, there was this married couple that attended church there. And and it, how many of you, how many of you in here, just raise your, how many of you, you grew up in a kind of a spirit-filled Pentecostal charismatic church? Raise your hand at me. Raise it big. Raise it big, 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 big. Okay, how many of you did not? Okay, y'all are the more normal ones, and thank God for you. Okay. I was growing up, growing up in this church, and there was this married couple, and uh, this they they're precious people. God love them, but the the wife was she was the she was the 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 she was the intercessor, right? That's the that's the label. She was the inter she was the firebrand. I mean, just glory to God, let's pray. That was her whole stance toward God. Like, oh, so stressful as a 13-year-old kid. You're like, Jesus, I don't know if I can keep this up for the next 80 years. Oh, serve God and pray. She would, every time you needed hands laid on, she'd lay hands on you and she'd speak in tongues and she'd fall out. She'd run around the church. She'd give that jerk. Y'all don't know about that. She'd give that jerk. Bobby Pence, pew, 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 just going nuts, Right? Everything was a sin. Everything. We did not know what we could do. We just knew what we could not do. And what we could not do was everything. Okay? She was just, oh, on fire when we preach hard. It was just so just, just spirit-filled. And her husband was the quiet type. Quiet type. She's over here having her, you know, her circus and he's just sitting there with his hands in his pocket. And I would hear her talk about her husband because he was not as spiritual as she was. And she would say that. I'm praying for God to do a work in him because he needs to go deeper in God. He was the most kind, loving, loyal, helpful servant of a man. Way nicer than she was. A thousand times nicer than she was. And she would always rebuke him for not being more spiritual. And although he might not have been as spiritual, he was more Christian. And in Pentecostal circles, we want what looks spiritual. We do not want what looks Christian. Because what looks Christian looks like this. Love your enemies, pray for those that curse you, and bless those that despitefully use you. What looks Christian is, is if they smite you on one cheek, turn the other one and give that to them as well. I ain't getting no help in here. What looks Christian is, if your enemy wants to, you to go with him one mile, go with him two. Yeah. 
have we let the cross get in us like that? When did we come up with this idea that mercy ended with us? We, we are so easily blinded by all of the patience that God demonstrated toward us that we refuse to demonstrate it for anybody else. It took God 20 years to get us where we are and we will judge people if they're not there in 20 minutes. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching this sermon all by myself. Are you hearing me? We have a blind spot. And the blind spot is we are consumed by our own narcissism. We are consumed by our own self-interest. And we have completely lost touch with the suffering and the brokenness of humanity. Unless it comes to our house, we are oblivious. We are blind to it. And the cross calls us to a bigger life than that. I said the cross calls us to a bigger life than that. We're called to come alongside and suffer with our black brothers and sisters. Not post snarky memes, but suffer with them. You don't have to agree with everything that's being said. You don't have to agree with everything that's being done. But we're called to suffer with them. We're called to weep with those that weep. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying? We live in a country. They will fight you over how you treat a squirrel more than how you treat a child. Completely oblivious to our blind spots. Because it's so Americanized and politicized. And when we have the heart of God on the matter, we can look at the entire political arena and say, all of y'all are missing it. Your policies don't have the answer. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the answer. And the answer for the church is we are called to suffer with and fight for those that are hurting. But we've not let the cross get that deep. Instead, we just go to another conference and get another hand laid on us and listen to another podcast and sing another song about how awesome and mighty we are and we're completely oblivious to the brokenness of people. It is a blind spot. It's a blind spot. Can, can you tell Can you tell how we can't even talk about these issues without our minds automatically going toward politics? Away with all of that stuff. It's a blind spot. We celebrate the patience that God had with us and refuse to demonstrate it towards somebody else. Do you know all the preaching it took to get you to where you are? You know how much prayer and pastoral counseling it took to get you to where you are? You didn't come out the womb on fire, baby. Do you know how much prayer it took to get us to where we are? We are acutely aware of everyone that has sinned against us. I could sit you down right now and say, 
who did you wrong? And the volcano would erupt. But we're blind to the people we've sinned against. Because it's a blind spot. Because we're interested in being spiritual, not interested in being Christian. You know, there's a text. I heard T.D. Jake say this, and I think it's so true. There's a text over in, in Exodus where it says, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that's what I'm preaching about. I'm preaching about a callousness that has got a hold of us that we're blind to that we have to break. You with me? Bishop Chase was ex- extracting this point. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And if you read that at the service, that's, that gives you all sorts of problems. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and then judged Pharaoh for being hard in heart when God was the one that did it. It's problematic, right? But one commentator said it this way. He said, the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. And it's not an issue of the sun. It's an issue of what you're made of. (laughs) You ever ran into situations with people and you feel bad and you apologize and they're still mad? And you want to say, what is it going to take to break you? I feel bad. I'm apologetic. I'm sorry for everything I've done. And you're still ratcheting up the vitriol because the sun melted one of them and hardened the other. And it doesn't talk about the state of the sun. It talks about the state of the substance that's up under the sun. My question is, can anything, can anything melt us right now? Can anything melt us right now? Boy, this party is dead. What melts you? What drops you to your knees? What grips you to the point that I don't want to see what kind of funny meme and one-liner I can come up with to shoot across the bow of Facebook because you're so brave? What melts us? What melts us? We've not let God get that deep in us. Instead, we'll buy our Christian music on Spotify, we'll listen to our podcast, we'll YouTube our sermons, and we'll go on our merry way completely divorced from the brokenness of the people that God sent us here to heal. And then in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our callousness, then we have the nerve to get up and want to correct the world. He said, how are you going to talk to somebody about their blind spots when you can't even see your own? That's one of the great things about pastoring. You're always receiving wisdom from people that have never held the role. I've told you this before. It's like single people telling you how to parent. That's not very helpful. You can't even balance a checkbook. Don't tell me what to do with a 13-year-old teenager. My dear, that's a blind spot. How are you going to talk to the world about their blind spots when you can't even see your own? How is the church going to be a voice championing change 
when we're blind to our own hardness. When our words come across as empty and callous and mean-spirited. So Jesus gives us the solution. Can I give you this and I'll let you go? Y'all come on up. There, well, I'm not going to be able to take this any further. I can tell. Come on. King James translation says, how do you behold the speck in your brother's eye? And you miss the beam that's in your own eye. Right. How are you going to talk to them about blind spots and you can't even see your own? Jesus gives us the remedy. Focus on your own stuff and you won't have the time or the energy to point fingers at everybody else. <laughs> A good dose of self-reflection will fix gossip forever. Let me say that again. A good dose of self-reflection will fix gossip forever. I ain't throwing rocks at nobody. I ain't got nothing to say. I'm trying to get my own self sorted out. What, if anything, can melt us right now? What, if anything, can melt us right now? The other day I was driving, I was actually coming to church to pray. And I was in my wife's car. She has a big SUV. And I was getting over on the interstate. People in Knoxville are crazy. Driving's crazy. And I looked in my mirror, and I didn't see anybody. So I started to merge over. Right? And I get, you know, lay on the horn. He sped past, told me I was number one. <laughs> At least I thought that's what he was saying. But he was in my blind spot. It wasn't evil. You don't have to be a bad person to have a blind spot. Right? But I could have killed him. I could have killed him because of my blind spot. Who is suffering right now because of our blind spots? Who are we running over right now in your own life and as a church? Who are we running over right now because of our blind spot? I didn't mean anything by it. I wouldn't have done it had I seen him. It wasn't intentional, but blind spots never are. That's why Jesus is saying, there are things in you you don't even see. So start looking for those first before you start looking for everybody else's. This is what Jesus said. Let me read this to you. 
First, acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them. And then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. That's actually a literary device that he's using. He's not saying, get yourself cleaned up, then you can judge everybody else. He's saying, once you start focusing on yourself, you're going to see where you are, and you're never going to want to throw another rock again. Because the same judgment you use, it has a way of coming back to you. It has a way of coming back to you. So, What's in your blind spot? You know, we, ha we have, as Christians, we have selective memories. Right? We, we conveniently forget the process and the journey that God took us through to get us to where we are. And so we condemn people in the middle of their journey when God sent us people that would show us grace and mercy in the middle of our own. We have selective memories. And it is my job to challenge our church to let the cross, to let God get in every one of our blind spots. To get in every one of our blind spots. You can safely assume that we've created a God in our own image when it turns out, our God hates all the same people we do. Blind spots. Stand on your feet. So when we, when we talk like this at church, there are really, they're really two, two options. It either melts us to the point where we say, oh God, I've been blinded by some things. Or it hardens us. That's one of the interesting stories about Jesus' crucifixion. He was surrounded by two thieves. One railed on him. The other repented to him. In the same place, surrounded by the same man, in the same situation, two completely different responses. And I want to challenge our church, don't let this harden us. Let this melt us that and, and I, I don't know any I don't know any eloquent way to say this so I'm just going to say it real plain and, and look at me the, the church in America needs a revival of conscience this is what I mean we need a revival of becoming acutely 
in tune and aware with human suffering in all of its forms. Can y'all turn me up a little bit, Jordan? Can you turn me up a little bit? Thank you. Are you hearing me? That's as plain a way as I notice it. That's not a, a polished out statement that, that I worked on. That, that's as plain as I notice it. We're callous. We've become hard through all sorts of factors. And I could name several, but I won't. But we've become callous and hard to the suffering of people. And then, from a calloused place, we want to try to exercise a voice. But as John Maxwell so beautifully says, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so, before we start offering solutions to fixing the world, we have got to saturate ourselves in their suffering. To the best that we can, we have to enter their world. Human suffering in all of its forms, we have to enter that world. We have to enter the world of human suffering when it comes to the baby that was aborted and never had a chance. We have to suffer with how the homosexual community has been treated by Christians. It's getting up, 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 getting too liberal. We have to, we have to absorb and saturate ourselves in the suffering of minorities. Right? We have to absorb the suffering of women. Had a group of women that I know recently reached out. They were violated by a preacher who was in power over them. And I love this preacher dearly. I love him dearly. And I want him to get the help that he needs. But we're called to suffer with those women too. And we're called to suffer with him because he's just as broken. We're called to suffer with the victim and the victimizer. Human suffering and brokenness in all of its forms. We're called to suffer with the families that lost loved ones because of a terrorist attack 20 years ago. And we're called to suffer with the families that lost loved ones because the U.S. retaliated and killed innocent people. Oh my gosh, can you believe this is being said in church? This isn't political. We're called to suffer with God's image bearers. And then we will be prepared. We're called to suffer with police officers who are being unfairly treated right now. So many of them. That are being lied about and talked about and maligned. When we've had police officers here that are the paragon of class and humility and goodness and professionalism. We're called to suffer with them. And if, you can't, if we can't parse between all of that, if we find ourselves falling on one side or the other, then we're too political to be Christian. Amen? Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying. That we have a blind spot. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Father, by your spirit, by your word, by your grace, by your goodness, highlight every blind spot in our own heart. Highlight every blind spot in our own heart. Oh, I feel this. And Lord, let us fully enter the suffering of your image bearers just as you entered the suffering of your image bearers. God, let you are a high priest that came so you could be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. God, let us be touched with the feeling of their infirmities. Let us be touched by their brokenness. Let me say this too. Stop for a second. Let me say this too. I told you this story last, last week. I'm going to tell you again. There's a story in your Bible about the prophet Ezekiel. And God tells Ezekiel, he says, I want you to go down to the river Chebar and I want you to rebuke Israel because of their idolatry and their sin. I want you to rebuke them. You need to read this. It's in Ezekiel chapter 3, I believe it is. And Ezekiel said, I went down to the river, and this is the way the King James says it. I went down in the heat of my spirit. I was angry because of their sin. I was angry because of the decisions they were making. And I was going to go down there and I was going to rebuke every one of them. Not knowing they'd been taken captive. I'm going to go rebuke every one of them. And your Bible says that when Ezekiel went down to the river, this is what it says. And when I sat where they sat, I didn't say a word for seven days. And I sat there astonished. We don't have a right to speak to anybody. We, when we've not sat where they've sat. I went down there to rebuke them, but when I entered their world, everything changed. That's what it means to be Christian. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.